0: We're just over 30 days to go before the US presidential election. Tuesday night saw the first clash between Donald Trump and Joe Biden and the repercussions are going to be huge.
1: And as things begin to hot up stateside, we thought we'd break down that evening and see what it will mean for the election race.
0: Welcome to the first ever episode of the Meridian podcast. hello
1: hey oh my god this is so exciting i can't
0: believe we're actually recording this like we've been talking about this for quite a while now and it's kind of crazy that we're actually starting the first episode now
1: you know i honestly spend like most of my commutes listening to podcasts and it feels really weird to actually be on somebody's spotify like people are listening to this i know
0: it's (laughs) it's so weird like when the trailer um came out on the Spotify feed and everything I was listening to it and I just I just heard my voice and I was <laughs> like I don't want my voice in people's ears while they're running or walking to work or something oh damn She thought start with some introductions
1: yeah absolutely go for it um so I'm Eve I'm the founder of the Meridian magazine and I'm currently studying abroad in Germany um, but I'm also very interested in UK and US politics and yeah I'm normally a student at Oxford but I'm not this year because I'm away. <laughs>
0: yeah nice um, and I'm Ollie um, I'm also a student uh, at Edinburgh University I study politics so obviously quite interested in it and um, in terms of journalistically, I'm a sub-editor for the UK section of EVE's magazine, The, uh, the Meridian. And I also write uh, some like, news and opinion pieces for my university's magazine called The Student. So yeah, we thought, obviously, we're going to, the aim, if you've listened to the trailer, the aim of this podcast is to kind of cover stories that are both big and small as well. And we thought this week, first episode, we're going to basically start as big as the stories come, aren't we?
1: yeah i mean you don't really i feel like you cannot have missed this no it's it's been everywhere for the last few days
0: yeah even even by standards of us presidential elections this oh my god basically so to basically unpack what happened on tuesday night in the first debate between donald trump and joe biden i'm so pleased to say that we are joined by the meridians north america editor nemo omar nemo how are you
1: I'm good, thanks, how are you guys?
0: Yeah, all good, Lovely thank
1: time. you.
0: Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, first epi- ever episode of the podcast. I'm honoured, <laughs> Oh dear, how has this week been? Not not just personally, you know, I'm sure you're fine, hope you're fine. <laughs> With this story, being the US editor, how has this felt? Firstly, did you watch the debate live? Did you stay up?
2: Um, I did not watch it live, oh. I watched it the next morning mm-hmm. um, at 8am. Was um, so like the first thing I looked at when I woke up in the morning, and yeah, I just feel like when you watch things as they're happening, you kind of get really caught up in it, and you kind of don't really listen to what's. I, I do uh, me anyway. I don't really like listen to what's going on. I get very caught up in the drama and the theater of it all, and then so I so I tend to watch things after the fact, especially when it's like US as opposed to the UK, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. So I watched it the next morning and i was i was mesmerized i was horrified i was it was a lot there was a lot going on there um i don't know I just felt like um yeah was, there was just a lot happening, and there's that I'm sure that a lot of people have had a lot to say, but specifically as this is kind of my section and I'm super interested specifically in you know north american like amer- like united States politics, it was a you know it was particularly um a sight to behold for me
0: Eve did you stay up
1: I didn't I must admit because I'm now a granny who's working a job no and- no no. you're both I-
0: wiser than me oh my god
1: right because
0: uh, yeah. because I stayed up until 2 a.m UK no. <laughs> no. I, I was like I was, I was still awake about quarter past one and I was like you know what I'm gonna stay up it's gonna be great Oh my God, I slammed my laptop shut the minute it ended at half past 3am. I thought, why the hell have I just stayed up to watch that? Uh, I, I don't even know how to describe what I witnessed on Tuesday night. How um, did
1: you even go to sleep after that? Like, I feel like that would have riled me up so much. I just would, I feel like it's good, like that Nimmo did it in the morning, you know, that's, yeah. that gets you known for the day.
0: <laughs> Literally, oh my God. Right, so let's just set some context, like more widely for the US election so far. Basically, Joe Biden, the Democratic challenger, is ahead at the moment, isn't he?
1: Yeah, in most of the polls.
0: Yeah, so nationally, we're looking at sort of a 7% lead and he's also got pretty strong leads in all the what are called battleground states Florida's looking a bit marginal but most of them Uh, how much Nimo? do you think we should be looking relying on those polls that we're getting out of the US at the moment
2: um so the polls they're more accurate this time around Mm -hmm. well so everybody is saying because they said that last time too but I mean, the polls are supposed to be more accurate and he is even proportioned to Hillary's lead like this time in 2016. He is ahead, um, you know, from where she was. But at the same time, you know, there's still a lot of time. There's 30 days. There's so much could happen. And so um, I think it's it's I think it's of comfort to many people to look at these polls and say, you know what, we might have less to worry about than we thought. But if 2016 has taught us anything, it's that anything it's there's a month left anything could happen um i don't know if i'm more nervous or less nervous i think i'm more i'm significantly more nervous actually than than 2016 because i felt like i feel like everyone was kind of sleepwalking into that one but um but yeah so i think that they're more reliable but i think it's kind of irrelevant because so much could change
0: mm, yeah and One of the issues that has hugely ignited the race, which has the potential to basically upend the race, because it's been kind of boring so far, hasn't it? Not that much has happened. But in the last two weeks, quite a few kind of big stories have broken. Probably the biggest being the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Now, for people who might not know about her or might not know that much about her, who is RBG, as she's known?
3: Oh,
2: icon. Um, well, okay, so RBG, she is God, there's so much that you could say about her, but basically, she's Supreme Court Justice. Am I right? Um, say it like that, but she basically, um, has she died recently which meant that there's a space now that Donald Trump and his party you know technically is president he can nominate someone um to fill her place and many many people are very scared that this is going to be used as a tactic to you know overturn Roe v Wade um and you know various other things and I think that it was very very odd to me that the democrats kind of position on this was just hope that RBG doesn't die you know like that was kind of the whole thing in terms of this um but i i just i think that there's there's been a lot of fierce discussion around her obviously and her legacy but i think that that's one thing in and of itself um you know with her issues surrounding race um and and, and all these things that have been going on in that respect but i think that obviously the big thing that's happening and he mentioned it in the debates too um is the fact that he has been elected and therefore he can, you know, he can nominate who he wants and, mm. um, you know, no one can tell him otherwise as as he very, very clearly made, like as he made very clear, you know, a few days ago.
0: Yeah. And I, I think it's just ama- from a, a UK, a British perspective, I think it is amazing looking at how the Supreme Court operates in the United States. Basically every issue that is of any social or co- cultural significance, ends up in front of the Supreme Court in the United States doesn't it so you just um, you mentioned Roe Roe v Wade just then and that was the landmark piece of legislation uh, the case looked at by the Supreme Court that ruled that abortion was legal in the United States and that women did have rights to their own body Um, it's the same with um, same-sex marriage the same with voting rights for um, ethnic minorities every single issue ends up in front of the supreme court uh, mm. does anyone else find it weird that that same court that makes up all makes those decisions on all of those issues that that court is chosen by the president
1: i find it quite personally terrifying i find a lot of things about the us political system terrifying as a british person but seeing how this has all played out and seeing how somebody's you know, the death of a Supreme Court justice can, within literally hours of the news breaking, spiral into a political circus and a political back and forth. And how issues as if that are so pivotal to Americans' daily lives to literally shape their existence, you know, fall into the hands of people that are, you know, being chosen by different parties for different party political reasons. Um, yeah, it's, it is actually very scary.
0: It's so weird, isn't it? And so that's what they started the debate with because it is kind of a huge story at the moment. So basically there are nine justices on the court, aren't there? And Trump, so there's now eight, now RBG has died. And if Trump gets his nominee, who is Amy Barrett, I believe her name is, if who is a strongly conservative justice, as you'd imagine, if he does get that, Appointment confirmed before the election. That would mean that someone correct me. I think the court would have something like a six-three conservative leaning, or potentially even a seven-two conservative leaning. Is that right?
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So it it will just be huge. It basically, if this person, if uh, Amy Barrett gets confirmed before the election, um, regardless of the the outcome of the election, um, she is a very young woman. She will be on the court for life. And that will hugely change the balance and empower the court to really make some huge changes. There's already been talk about reversing Roe, which is reversing Roe v. Wade, which would really put a question mark over the legality of abortion in America. These are huge changes. And that's understandably why they started the debate with that, isn't it?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. There was already like, I think just today, The Guardian broke a story that was like, um, she, Amy, Amy Barrett, she supported a group that said, um, I think life begins at fertilisation or something, which I don't even know what that, what does that mean? Life begins <laughs> at fertilisation, like in practice, what does that, okay then. Um, but so I just think that if you're having someone who is, you know, like that that intensely conservative um, and you're like, you, like you guys already said, like, you know, these huge, issues that concern, you know, like the most basic human rights effectively are up to question every few years when someone dies or when someone is removed for whatever reason. It's, um, yeah, it's a bit of a farce really, isn't it?
0: It's unbelievable.
1: And if I'm right as well, I believe that President Obama tried to nominate somebody for the Supreme Court towards the end of his time in office and it was denied. I can't, I can't remember exactly why yeah so
0: um so basically a, a fairly similar situation president obama i think tried to nominate um a judge called merrick garland towards the the middle of 2016 just before the 2016 presidential election and um senior republicans including a republican uh, called lindsey graham said he, he actually said um i'm sure we can find the clip somewhere he said something like use my words against me If a Republican wins the 2016 election and there is a vacancy near the end of the first term, we will wait until the next election has happened before we allow another nomination. He said it. And I think it just says so much about politicians, not just in America, but politicians everywhere at the moment who just their words mean nothing.
3: If there's a Republican president in 2016 and a vacancy occurs in the last year of the first term, you can say... Lindsey Graham said let's let the next president whoever it might be make that nomination and you could use my words against me and you'd be absolutely right.
2: I mean what's new with that?
3: (laughs) Yeah I mean you're not wrong.
1: I feel like since 2016 since this sort of dawn of like alternative truths or alternative facts you just at this point you like you just don't know what to take at face value and you know what is truth and what is lies in politics. It's, it all just become so blurred. Talking of facts,
0: obviously Trump lied a numerous times in debate. That's what we've come to expect from him. One one of the lies was regarding one of the probably the second biggest issue that has erupted, over, and that's the partial release of tax returns. And this has been really interesting because for years. Um, people have been demanding, even even Hillary Clinton, before the 2016 election, have been demanding that he release his tax returns. Why is it such a big issue, Nimmo?
2: Um So, okay, wow, these are like, this has been a, a, a problem that's been flying around for like, you know, five years now, um, like, you know, release those tax returns and he's been dodging it and he's been um, doing everything in his little mind to kind of avoid doing that and it's basically kind of every it's it's an open secret that he obviously like doesn't pay his taxes or like there's a lot of shady stuff going on in terms of his finances allegedly I don't want us to get sued or anything Mm but um you know like (laughs) first
0: episode that'd be good wouldn't it
2: (laughs) (laughs) there's you know like that thought hit my mind just then as I'm just making statements (laughs) out like you know into the ether but um But yeah so there there are basically a lot of questions that have been raised about the you know the legitimacy of like you know his businesses what his business practices the ethics around it um and you know whether he was paying his taxes or not and you know what that looked like and how much um and and, you know whether it was regular you know rich person tax evasion or you know whether it was more than that um i think that the Panama Papers was kind of a watershed moment for us a few years ago, when that came out mm-hmm. um, about the the scale of these issues but frankly, I think that we should have learnt from that you know what, what once the New York Times released their you know um, the details of of Donald Trump's tax returns a few days ago um, or however long it was now um the fact that the Panama papers were published and this, that was massive story a few years ago and nothing happened should really have told us what the like reaction would have, will be and has been to Donald Trump, you know, the, his, <laughs> the fact that he paid $750 in federal income tax in 2016 and se- 2017, like we should have, it, it wasn't going to make that much of a
0: difference because it was. £750. Pounds. I I actually can't get over that.
2: Yeah. Like that's, that like people, it, it, it's insane. When you see that number, it is kind of, it is incredibly shocking, but it's also like, I don't think that anyone was expecting anything else, really and truly. I think we were just waiting for a number to come up.
0: I think you're uh, right. And, but it's like, I think most students would have probably paid more than that in rent over the last two months. Like, it's, it,
1: Oh, absolutely. It's, it beggars belief. And you know what I find even more insane about this whole situation is that in a weird perverse way, this story coming out is actually playing into Trump's hands because he loves to vilify, he loves to present the media as kind of an enemy against which, you know, he and his followers have got to fight. Um, And by him saying that it's like fake news, he is like turning it into an example of yet another attack on him as a person that his sort of core group of followers can cling on to and add to their little repertoire of, of things and it's just crazy because a story that's saying that one of of the most um you know biggest businessmen in america has paid that little in income taxes like how is that not you know a career sinking revelation you know
0: i think think we'd be on career sinking by now yeah Yeah. I,
2: i also just think that it is i think that we kind of have to get into the perspective of, you know, the kinds of people who support him. They don't wanna pay taxes either. So frankly, they don't care. I don't think that they care that he paid more in, they like paid more in tax than he did, even though they have a fraction of his like wealth and, you know, that like fraction of the money that like he has coming in, like in 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 comparison. I don't think that they care. I think that what they want is, like, you know, how can I also only pay $750 in tax? How can I, you know, like get away with that kind of stuff when I'm a millionaire, when I'm a billionaire, whatever? Um, I also will want to do that. He has already sold them the dream of like, this is like, this is the life of someone who has this kind of wealth. You don't have to p- play by the rules. And they don't even agree with the rules in the first place. So, I don't think that it's go- it was ever going to be a career sinking moment for him because also just generally, like the general public, there is this antipathy that has been, you know, created around ideas of like taxation, particularly in America where they like, it's a regular thing for people to say tax is theft, you know?
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I think potentially part of that comes from the the lack of any kind of let's say just collective services that they have in America basically i'm talking about healthcare here in in the uk the reason that it is definitely more shameful but perhaps not shameful shameful as it should be to to av- avoid your paying your taxes is because of the nhs the nhs i think it's been said many times is as close as britain gets to religion isn't it and if you're to avoid paying your taxes you're basically sticking two fingers up to the nhs they don't have that in america and i just wonder how much that contributes to this idea that, you know, why should I pay taxes? Like, what have I got to be grateful for?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is there there was a movement, you know, that any any kind of there's so much to say about this, because like the history there is insane with the deep seated, like like almost I don't even know how to describe it. It's this deep seated fear of anything vaguely socialist or, you know, communist like the red scare is so real in America that it is still felt today and that any you know any sign even though obviously Bernie Sanders and his um you know has definitely normalized a a little bit you know the discussion has at least put the discussion of you know healthcare for all on the table um you know and has, has at least tabled that and you know has made that a subject of conversation whereas 10 years ago that was not even that was nowhere near the political landscape in America. But even with that, even with Bernie Sanders being, you know, in the on the political spectrum at the moment, it is, um, it, it it just this, this. There is this. I don't even know how to describe like how irrational this fear is that they have from socialized anything, you know.
1: And if they, yeah.
2: you know. Like everything to just be in the, like nothing to be controlled by the state, everything just to be in the realm of the private sector. I think a lot of people would probably, like, you know, theoretically be fine with that.
0: Let's just talk about Bernie Sanders for a second because I was watching on, I can't remember one of the networks, maybe ABC, and he was on straight after the debate reacting to it. Do either of you think Bernie Sanders, A, would have done any better in that debate or B, doing generally any better or any different to biden is doing
1: whether i think he would have done better in the debate i mean it's hard to say mm-hmm. i th- i w- I, pers- I personally felt like biden came off better from the debate do i think he put up a stellar performance absolutely not mm-hmm. <laughs> um but it's so difficult to say um really because this election is so just new territory that I feel like hypothesising about, you know, how Bernie would have done. You just, like, it's just, there's just new things coming up, like, all of the time. Um, I I do feel like Joe, I don't know how to put this. Like, I feel like Bernie, you know, has a bit more fire in him in terms of his, you know, his ideological, you know, convictions. You know, he feels more passionately and more strongly about the things that he believes in. Um, but then at the same time, I feel like Trump and Bernie sit so much further apart on the political spectrum than even Joe and Trump do, that could it have made for an even more shambolic debate? Would, would Do you know what I mean? Like, you just don't know. Um,
2: I, I think that it was, um, well, like, like Eve said, I don't know what use there is in kind of hypothesising about, you know, what Bernie could have. And I think that Bernie has kind of shown his strength as an orator and as a you know quite a good person who can like clearly you know and succinctly you know bring out his ideas in 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 debates and stuff like that but i just think that it joe biden's you know it was very very shambolic already and I think but I don't think that he's any less passionate than Bernie Sanders I just think that his views are basically the equivalent of what our conservative party is and so I just like Bernie seems so much more passionate because what like his ideas are slightly they aren't even that radical in comparison to the rest of the world but like they're radical in the US context Yeah, for sure exactly, whereas joe biden's doesn't seem like he, he is he's passionate about you know neoliberal capitalism he is passionate about uh very like the the i think the thing is donald trump is is basically a fascist and it's kind of like the debate that people were having about marine le pen and um Oh, I've forgotten the name of the French president that's not good for me Macron. That's Macron. It, Macron like and when Marine Le Pen was you know doing her thing and everyone was just, bit, and it was against these two people and everyone's like oh Macron he is you know he's just another establishment you know neoliberal etc cetera, etc cetera. but obviously you're going to choose him over the the neo-Nazi and so it is it's kind of just that whereas I feel like Bernie Sanders would have offered a genuine, I think that difference, the fact that there there would have been this massive gulf in between Trump and Sanders would have meant that more people I think would have been mobilized to go to the voting booth. I mean obviously I don't know because it hasn't happened yet but.
0: Yeah so you think that if it it was Bernie or perhaps someone else you'd think maybe people might be more going to the polls to vote for him rather than just voting against against
1: Trump. Trump. Yeah.
0: Well, one time in the debate, which I think Biden did extremely well, actually, well, by by the standards of that debate, was um, the section on racism, race and violence in America. Um, now, the, the I think the most newsworthy and I think the most horrific, shocking, li- literally jaw dropping, my jaw dropped, um, was this line. It's, it's a viral clip now that's gone around the world. Donald Trump was asked um, if he will condemn white supremacists who support him. And he replied by saying that the Proud Boys who were mentioned, um, the Proud Boys are a far right white supremacist group. He said that they should stand back and stand by. And this was in response to a question about if the election doesn't go Donald Trump's way. What does he, or even if there's just a delay in counting the votes, which there very well may be this year, given the number of mail-in ballots because of the pandemic. And he said that the Proud Boys should stand back and stand by.
3: But are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha, and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, i to, to do that. Are you to specifically... Do it. Well, I, would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what are you... What, are you, you right. look, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. then do it, sir. Say, say it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them... What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a White name. Supremacists what, would right would like me to White proud supremacists and right wing. White supremacists and right wing. Stand back and stand by, but I'll
0: tell you what. What I don't even know how to respond to that. What, how have we got here?
2: I mean, I don't know. I get, I, I understand why people are so shocked because it was such an easy, you know, it's so easy for him to just say, I condemn white supremacist groups, I condemn the Proud Boys. Like, that would be such an easy goal for him to make in that moment. And I kind of understand from that perspective but Trump has again and again shown that he is absolutely happy to flirt with, you know, stand with, be around and directly support on occasion, white supremacist groups and white supremacy generally. So I don't really understand why people are so shocked. that It shouldn't
0: have been jaw dropping.
2: Yeah, like why are people so shocked that the white supremacist said that he doesn't, that told white supremacist groups to stand up, like stand back and stand by like, why are we so shocked about this and also like in terms of Joe Biden's response to all of this and like obviously he was very much having a moment where he was like go on say it say it knowing that he wouldn't say it but like next to a fascist or next to someone who is unwilling to condemn white supremacists you will always look good it doesn't matter like what your policies or your views generally on race are Um, and so I think that, you know, Trump provided him a very easy kind of escape route where he didn't really have to say anything because Trump offered up a viral moment then and there. I mean, within an hour, the Proud Boys were making T-shirts that had what he said on a like, you know, as a slogan. And they were, you know, the white supremacist groups online were buzzing with what was going on and so like, Joe Biden didn't need to say anything, in my opinion. Like, so he didn't need to be very good. He's not. I don't think he is very good on race.
1: And I think that that's the problem, is that it shows the low point to which American democracy is, has 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 fallen, that what Joe Biden said on race would be considered comparatively impressive compared to Trump's performance and how, as you were saying, like, you know, something that shouldn't be jaw-dropping, somebody just saying, oh, you know, um, I uh, condemn white supremacy in all of its forms, has now, as you said, like become like the talk of of the world <sighs> overnight, um, and I, I think that when you actually step back and you think about this debate um, and just the election, this election in general, if you think about how warped the standards are of what we're shocked by, what we're not shocked by, what what, every, what everyone's reacting to, I just think that in itself is a real sign of of the state of the country at the moment, that the standards like the playbook has just seemed to have been ripped up.
2: It's and so depressing.
1: Everything that we're arguing today just seems so like try and explain that to somebody 20 years ago, you know? Um I mean frankly, the 20 years ago, what was that? The Al Gore Bush
2: election Gore that Bush, was yeah. that was all up in legal, you know, battles and you know, no one could figure mm. out. So it might be actually quite apt
1: oh actually yeah that's fair i hadn't even thought of that <laughs> well yeah, yeah exactly maybe they'd be like oh yeah preach it to the choir system no. and
0: that's and that's why the um the issue of the supreme court which started the debate is so important because the the last section was in, in was called something like integrity of the election or something and basically they they were asked the very simple question as hillary and uh, donald's were asked four years ago will you accept the results of the election?" And obviously. Trump refused to say that he would, because he has this obsession with talking about mail-in ballots and um, that they should be invalid and that they're being messed with.
3: As far as the ballots are concerned, it's a disaster. A solicited ballot, okay, solicited is okay. You're soliciting, you're asking, they send it back, you send it back. I did that. If you have an unsolicited... They're sending millions of ballots all over the country. There's fraud. They found them in creeks. They found some with the name Trump. Just happened to have the name Trump just the other day in a waste paper basket. They're being sent all over the place. They sent two in a Democrat area. They sent out a thousand ballots. Everybody got two ballots.
0: And do you know once in a blue moon, Donald Trump says something that has a grain of truth in it. Like, and I, I mean a grain. There's something where a story that he's talking about has come from a story about a story about a story. And you can kind of understand it. This thing, this obsession he has with mail-in ballots being ineligible and then being fiddled with is literally, unequivocally, demonstrably false. There is no evidence for it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that it's really interesting this one, actually, because mail-in ballots, like, it's not like they are more in favor, like, of the Democrats anyway. Like, like lots it's of the Republicans opposite. use mail-in ballots. Like, yeah. I, I don't even think he quite it quite registers to him that by fiddling with it himself and trying to discount it, he's screwing himself over as well in the process but um i think that kind of shows how far away trump is from any kind of rational thought in any you know sense of the word but i just think that it is it's it's kind of what he's been saying for four years anyway like if he loses he's not going he's not going to go like he he lost the popular vote in 2016 already and 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 if he f- fully loses like loses the you know electoral college this this time round um I, I, he's been saying that the only way you're going to be getting me out of that office is by violence, basically. The only way you're going to be getting me out of that office is kicking and screaming. And, you know, I, I, I think we should have just believed him when he said it two years ago or whenever, when it, whenever he started saying it first, because he started sowing the seeds of doubt years ago, probably when he got elected, you
1: know, back in 2016. It's so insidious. I think doubt is probably one of the key words for this, A, for his whole presidential term and B, for this election, it's it's these sort of seeds of uncertainty, these sort of like unknowns, the these uh, like, you know, alternative facts, real facts, what's true, what's not, that I think has really defined this whole election, has defined the reporting on the election, will define how people vote in this election And sometimes you think is it deliberate like has he been doing that deliberately or is he literally just the textbook definition of a sore loser um and you just i just sometimes think i just don't know you know and no go for it i was just gonna
2: say like i think that it's also really important that we contextualize this you know as we have not like as it's infamously now known as like fake news alternative facts alternative reality all the various you know names that it comes under I don't think that that started with trump like frankly that started years ago like especially in america with the way that their media and their news cycle works it's been happening for a very very long time and even in the uk we can see with the ways that the way in which we were reporting things and we were telling things like we were sowing those seeds of doubt like you said eve for decades, for years and years and years. And it came to a boil. It came to a head, you know, when people least expected it. People, you know, this is why so many people in hindsight have been saying, we should have seen Trump coming. We should have seen Brexit coming. We should have seen these things coming because we were basically, you know, like priming the public for something like this for a long time with the way in which that we report news and the ways in which we, you know, have been vilifying migrants for so long the ways in which that we have been you know pri- like um the, just the ways in which we have been like putting the economy uh, migration race all these various different things that you know obviously were the talking points in you know last election in this election what were we to expect
0: i know and i think i think the worst thing of all is that even if Trump loses and even if somehow they get him out of that office by whatever means. Done? If, I, I'm not sure it's going to end. I no, it. They've seen that a president can gain four years in power, four years in which a fair amount has changed and a fair amount has gone differently. For example, the management of the pandemic would have been hugely different under a different president. They can have so much effect by literally not telling the truth. It's as if there is no break on it. And, you know, there are a few journalists, and I guess a few networks in America that try and push back slightly on some things they say, but there needs to be some sort of, in the next few years, I have no confidence it will happen, but in the next few years, there needs to be some organised effort to say that we need the truth. We deserve the truth. And if you're not telling us the truth, you shouldn't be eligible to stand for office and you won't win even if you do get on the ballot. It's just the 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 of truth from American politics and from British politics is is absolutely terrifying.
1: The thing, is there any appetite for truth? This is the problem. That's what I was going to say. Like, I, as, as Nimmo said, like, this is, you know, it's been coming for a while.
2: Yeah.
1: And clearly that means that, you know, it's it's if, if, if we take sort of 2016 to 2020 as it has been, this sort of wave of like Brexit and Trump and everything, you, you can, as Nimmo said, you can date that back. So if you can date it back and it's been building up for a while, then, you know, why did it take somebody putting the label alternative facts on the phenomenon for it to like really become, you know, a topic of discussion? Like does it people? Yeah. As as I said, like, you know, if if things to change, people have to want things to change.
2: Yeah. I don't think they do.
0: (laughs) It's about what kind of pleases you, isn't it? If you turn on the TV and you see someone yelling, someone you know, sweating with anger and screaming at someone or shouting at a certain group of people or saying this or saying that angrily, then you feed something in people. You feed something that says, "Do you know what? Maybe I'm angry." Even if they've never thought about an issue before, they see someone ang- angry who tells them that they are angry, and they then become angry. And it's just this collective whipping up of people trying to make them care about issues which they before they just didn't and i think you've hit the nail on the head do people want the truth perhaps not
2: and i think that i think we also need to accept the fact that a lot of these things are grounded in material realities like even though people are getting whipped up over like seemingly nothing like a lot of these things are snowball effects from other things that they have if you if you look at like for example the fact that you know, anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, all these different QAnon, um, various conspiracy theories. They all began with one that seemed relatively, you know, like, oh, maybe well, that's verging, teetering on the edge of reality. And then they ended up in this, like, you know, in the, for various reasons that we could talk about all day long, in, in in this ether of like social media madness of like, you know, what's true, what's not. And there is, they, at that point, live in a completely different reality to what we live in pretty much at that point. But that initial anxiety that comes from something very real is still there and is still not being addressed. And because all we're looking at is the the hysteria, the sheer ridiculousness of it, like if you look at some of these conspiracy theories and you and you see it as a, you know, like they've gone from A to Z straight away and they've gone from being a perfectly normal functioning person to sitting in their bedroom for 16 hours a day looking up how, you know, That there is a paedophile ring in you know a a pizza parlor in you know Washington like if you think that that happens
0: over that's an actual theory just in case people don't know (laughs) (laughs)
2: like I didn't just think of that off the top of my head like if you if you don't if you if you think that that happens quickly or like happens overnight or people get there quickly then you're just going to think why is everyone crazy but it doesn't happen like that and it actually comes from like you know just like I don't even know a place that is actually coming like when, like whenever that person first logged on to Facebook, usually Facebook is the main culprit, um, you know, whatever social media yeah. it is, they, you know, for the most part, when that journey, <laughs> journey, if you can call it that to, you know, conspiratorial abyss began, it was because, you know, they were looking at something that was fairly innocent and it just keeps going and gets worse and gets worse. And until we can get to the root of those issues, we will, even if you tell people to the cows come home to you blue in the face. This is the facts. These are the facts. This is exactly where I got the facts from. This is the. This is a scientist. This is the journal. This is the academic website. This is et cetera. Et cetera. They will just tell
1: you it's a lie. Yeah. Yeah, and that is basically the root of it. Human nature. Who knows. <laughs>
0: Let's just for a minute, let's just discuss the the tone of Tuesday night, if we just take it back to Tuesday night for a minute. Um, I genuinely think there are probably fewer than 10 complete sentences um, <laughs> said um, without interruptions, even in the, the two minute, uh, apparently uninterrupted segments, answers to each question. Um, Chris Wallace, to be honest, who is the moderator of the debate, he's got a lot of flack for not Coming down harder on Trump, I don't know how much more he could have done, to be honest. Um, he did warn him at the start and 40 minutes into the debate.
3: But we, we, I think that the country would be better served if we allowed both people to speak with fewer interruptions. I, I'm appealing to you, sir, to do that. Well, and him too. Well, frankly, you've been doing more interruptions. Well, that's than all right, out. but he does plenty. Well, less than, <laughs> sir, yeah, less than, plenty. no, he less does. than you have. He's Putin's puppy. He still refuses to even say anything to Putin about the bounty on the heads of American soldiers. Your son got $3.5 no, 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 no. million. Dollars. No, and Mr. by President, the way, Mr. My, Mr. my son. Mr. Wait a minute. Mr. President, your campaign agreed to both sides would get two-minute answers uninterrupted.
0: Um, there were, it was basically a slinging match. Biden told him to... Shut shut up or something. Shut up, man.
3: Um, Um, Shut up,
0: man. (laughs)
3: Yeah.
0: And then and then Trump said, "Oh, you're not you're not smart. You graduated bottom of your class or something."
3: You graduated either the lowest or almost the lowest in your class. Don't ever use the word smart with me. Don't ever use that word. Oh, Oh, give me a. Because you know what?
0: It was just painful to watch. Do we think? I know they've agreed to two more debates. Do you think they're actually going to happen?
1: Uh. I think that'll happen. Um, the I what well, I don't know what what noun it is. The commission behind the debates, the people behind yeah. the debates, have said that they're going to change the rules. You know, they're going to mute microphones if people get if people get a bit too rowdy. But I just don't know if that's even going to help. Like, it does feel like a bit of a lost cause. I've seen primary school shouting matches that were less <laughs> chaotic than that, and I just think it sums up the entire tone of the election and that that, that was what the debate was like. And yes. do I have faith that the other ones will be different? No, but also do I think that these debates will massively influence public opinion? Probably not either. So, yeah. I,
2: just, I think that muting mics is probably something that they should have thought of. I don't understand why they didn't think of it earlier. No. I genuinely think that that will help because even if he's yelling and you can see his face moving about, you can at least hear what the other person is saying and by the other person i obviously mean joe biden but like mean I, I just i'm very confused by the fact that they didn't just mute his mic so he can keep yelling about how joe you know graduated from the bottom of his class or you know say horrible things about his son or whatever but none of us can hear that and joe can finish his sentences even though i disagree with almost every sentence that he says that's not the point i just need to hear the sentences but like I, I don't really know why they didn't think of that earlier, but if that's what they're going to do next time, then that's that's. I mean, that's better, I guess.
0: Yeah, it will be it will be a good step. Whether to be honest, whether Trump agrees to that, the campaign, I highly doubt it. But um, it will remain to be seen. There are two more debates. Um, I think something like fifteenth and twenty second of October, something like that. Before that, we have the vice presidential debate between Vice President Mike Pence and Senator Kamala Harris. Just quick thoughts on that. What do you think that's going to be like?
1: Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty
2: apt summary of that Yeah. I think she's gonna be impressive. I think that he's gonna be what does he even do? Does he say anything? I have not heard Mike Pence speak in four years. I don't even um, know what he sounds like. I, yeah, I, does he I, even speak? Like, what is he? I know that I disagree with a lot of things about Kamala Harris, but I know that she's a very talented orator. So I think that yeah, you no, know, and I don't it. think Mike Pence does the whole I'm going to yell until you stop speaking like Donald Trump does. So I think that that's a bit I think that if that's not a slam dunk. For the Democrats, that's going to be quite embarrassing.
0: Yeah, just a quick note uh, we recorded this podcast episode on Thursday evening, and it's now Friday morning. And we have overnight learned of the huge news that both President Donald Trump and First Lady Melania Trump have tested positive for COVID 19. Obviously, this is going to have a massive impact on the campaign. You know, we're into the last few weeks, the last month of the campaign, Election Day is set for November 3rd. That isn't going to change, that can't be changed um at this stage so it's going to be really really interesting to see what happens firstly whether the president develops any serious symptoms secondly even if he is asymptomatic for the next two weeks, 10 days or whatever it is, is he going to try and campaign from the White House or wherever he's isolating? Is he going to try and do online events? Um, will the coronavirus become part of the narrative if he then goes on to lose the election? Will he say that he was unfairly affected by having the virus when Joe Biden didn't? Because at the time of recording, Joe Biden is, uh, has had a negative test it's going to be really really interesting. um so just to let you know that's why we haven't discussed it on the podcast this week if we cover the elections again before uh, November 3rd which i'm i'm sure we will um will i'm that will be a big part of our discussion. Lovely. Well, i guess that's a bit depressing, but that's that. <laughs> that's America at the moment. Um Nime, thank you so much for joining us on the first ever episode of the Meridian Podcast. It
2: was my pleasure. I hope I was. I hope I, hope I was engaging.
0: You made a lot more sense to me. Don't worry, trust <laughs> me. Oh uh, yeah. Um, Eve, next episode. When do we think where that'll be coming around?
1: Hopefully soon, in the next week or so. We have the filming planned. Um, and let's just say it's a very, very interesting topic. Not, yeah. not as um headline covering. You know. And that's what this podcast is mainly going to be about, is about these stories that kind of slip through the cracks. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. Anyway, lovely. Thank you so much, uh, Nimmo. And yeah, remember to click subscribe on your feed so that all the episodes in the future uh, land in your feed, wherever you get this from.
1: And we'll see you very soon.
0: Lovely. Thank you. Bye-bye.
3: Bye. Bye.